Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter number four. Hebrews chapter number four. Uh, we're going to start in verse one uh, and read just a couple verses to give you a text that we are going to cover. And then we're going to jump back into chapter three because the end of chapter three sets up chapter number four. If that makes sense, say amen. That means to get all the goody that you're going to get out of chapter four, you need to, you need to go back and read the end of chapter three because it ties right in. You say, why do they do that? You got to remember, you got to remember, this is written as one letter. Chapters and verses were put in later so that it would be easy to study and memorize. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we're going to, we're going to read just a few uh, verses in chapter number four. And then I'm going to let you sit down and we're going to, we're going to go back. Uh, yeah, I did it again. <laughs> I did it again. Thank you, sir. Uh, somebody, I seen somebody post on Facebook Sunday says, is anybody curious how the preacher can see with all these other people's glasses? <laughs> hey, it's the work of God right there. We're on the, we're on the same page. All right, here we go. Are y'all ready? Say Amen. Let us therefore fear, be diligent, be, be cautious, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his, what's that word? Rest. Rest. Any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. And, and the word gospel there means good news, right? Good news. The word preached did not profit them, talking about the children of Israel, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again... If they now, 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 verse number four is in reference to Genesis chapter two, and verse number five is in reference to Psalms 95. So we see a rest at the very beginning of the world, the very beginning of time. God created everything and he rested. Say amen. amen. Then in the next verse, he's talking about what David said reminding them of the people that, that did not go into the promised land, warning them that they missed out on God's rest. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So there's about a 1,400-year difference between uh, verse 4 and verse 5. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief. That's what we covered last week. Again, he limiteth. Now, the word limiteth there means appointed. He appointed a certain day, saying in David, that's Psalm 95, saying in David, today, after so long a time as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, now let me, let me, let me clear something so that you know this is not the Jesus that hung on the cross. These are, he's referencing Joshua, all right? Jesus is the English uh, the English form of the Greek word Joshua, okay? So here he's referencing Joshua, not Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So let's just, let's just say that so it'll make sense. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Now let me explain that. In the beginning, Moses could not lead them in because when they got to the promised land, they did not, what, believe. And because of that, they all died in the wilderness except those that were 20 years old and, and under and Joshua and Caleb. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. But later on, Joshua took them in. Y'all with me? Yep. Joshua took them in. But if that was the rest that God was talking about, then what is David talking about? That's what he's saying here. The rest that God wants you to have Joshua was not able to give it to him. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now we'll come back to that and I'll explain it more, okay? But it says, verse 9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. 
For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. We'll stop right there. We're going to cover the whole chapter, but we'll stop right there so you can have a seat, all right? Dear Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house tonight. Uh, I'm so grateful for the good crowd tonight. They're hungry. They're here because they want to learn. They want to grow. They want to be edified. And Lord, I pray that you'll forgive us of anything, every sin, every disobedient act, every wrong thought, everything that would grieve the Holy Spirit and hinder the Spirit from having his way tonight. Forgive me especially. Lord, I pray, wash my iniquities away. I pray that you'll purge my conscience that I may serve a living God. Clear my mind and my thoughts. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me forget anything I should. And God will be careful to give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. (laughs) He'll be glad to get his glasses back. Amen. All right. All right. Here we go. Now, here's what I, I need you to do now. Let's go back. Let's go back to chapter number three. And, 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 and basically, at the end of chapter number three, he tells the story of what happened to the nation of Israel. If you need, if you need or you like to go and read background information on it, you can go read Numbers chapter 13 and 14. So write that down somewhere on your notes. Uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14 gives you the background of what happened when, when and all that you're going to find there is the nation of Israel has gotten to the edge of the promised land. They have sent in spies, and when they sent in spies, uh, uh, they, they came back. Most of y'all know there was 12 spies. Ten of them came back with a negative report. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's wonderful, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. Man, it is exactly what God said it was. It is truly a land that flows with milk and honey. But, but believe it or not, that even though the 10 spies brought back a negative report, what they said was true. There were great walled cities. There were giants in the land. They were grasshoppers in their sight. This was not going to be easy. This was going to take effort. Now, the problem was, the problem, it wasn't that they lied about what they saw The problem was they didn't believe that God could do what he said he would do. God wouldn't give them the victory. God wouldn't give them and help them overthrow and overcome the enemy. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. So let's let's look in uh, uh, chapter number three, chapter number three, and starting in verse number seven, and then we'll just work our way into chapter four. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, now he's quoting again. We see here the, the, the writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 95. All right, Psalm 95. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When, and by the way, I looked up that word provocation and it, and it means irritation. It was a time that the people irritated God. They angered God. They frustrated God. God brought them out of Egypt. God delivered them with a mighty hand. He brought plagues upon uh, Egypt, and they saw miracle after miracle after miracle. As soon as they came out of Egypt, they began to whine and complain. We don't have nothing to eat. God gave them something to eat. We don't have nothing to drink. God gave them something to drink. He protected them. He provided for them over and over and over and over. He did miracle after miracle after miracle, and they irritated him by questioning him, by tempting him. The word here, the word here in, uh, in verse number eight, it says, in the provocation and day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, that means to scrutinize, to criticize, scrutinize, prove me, 
and saw my works 40 years, 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. My re- and, and, and that word my is a key. Okay, so if you underline things in your Bible, make sure you underline my there. My and rest. God's talking about his own rest. I will not let them go in. And he is saying Canaan is a type of my rest. Are you following me so far? Now here, I want you to take this in your notes. First of all, first of all, and I, and I, and I use the main point introduction because the end of chapter 3 is really an introduction to chapter number four, okay? So, so first of all, A, verses seven through 11, we see a past reviewed. You say, why is he reviewing this? Because you gotta understand who his audience is. It's the, the book titles it, The Hebrew People, all right? He's speaking to Jewish believers who are being tempted. We have said this dozens of times. We've gone through this that they have, have gone through difficulty, they have gone through persecution, they are going through a very difficult time, and they're being tempted to what? Go back. Go back. They're being tempted to go back. Now, how do, we, how do we apply that to us today? How many times have you seen people who come to Christ, especially new believers, young believers, they come to Christ and, and, and really have an exhilarating experience. They're excited about what God's doing, and it seems like the devil just punches them right in the mouth. And, and the first thought that they have is, I had it better off. It seems like ever since I've come to Christ, all hell's broke loose in my life. Everything's falling apart. Everything. Hello. Well, one of, one of the reasons is because you were once an enemy of God and you were once a, a, a pal of the devil and now you're his enemy and now he's attacking you. The, the, the way of the Lord is a straight and narrow way. It's a difficult way. God says it's going to be hard. The will of God, the will of God is tough. So, so make sure, I mean, we, we're kind of brutal. We're kind of brutal to the, the nation of Israel because they did not go into the promised land and they were afraid of giants. Wouldn't you be? I mean, let's think about it. Let's give them just a little slack and understand that when they go in there, they are seeing that this is the will of God for them. They have to fight. They have to go to battle. Uh, all of Joshua is, is about victories and battles and fighting to, 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 to receive the inheritance of God, sometimes the will of God is hard. And when it gets hard, sometimes you just want to quit. You just want to go away. You want to depart from the living God. Not, not, not depart in, in means of apostasy, but just go back to where life was easier. They, they struggle with this. They struggle with it. Even the, even the nation of Israel said, we, had a, we were better off in Egypt, which is not true, but that's what it looks like in life. Sometimes after salvation, after you've been serving God, sometimes what you used to be or what you used to do, sometimes it does seem more appealing. Sometimes it seems like you had an easier time. But the whole book of Hebrews is trying to help these new believers understand that even though it's tough, even though you're being persecuted, even though you're having a hard time right now, I promise you what you got now is better than what you had then. Don't back up. Don't doubt God. Don't disbelieve. Don't, don't, listen, everything's going to be all right. You got to trust him. You got to trust him. And so, so this is what this is all about. So now he tells, he says, matter of fact, let me tell you about what happened to your forefathers, your ancestors. And he tells them about their, their unbelief. So we see a past review. Then B, there's a potential rebellion. Verse 12, there's a potential rebellion. He said, take heed, brethren, 
lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, now stay with the context. Stay with what he just read. What did he just read? The children of Israel get to the edge of the promised land, right? And, and, and God wants them to go in. God has promised them everything. He said, I'm going to give it all to you. Everywhere you step your foot, I'm going to give it to you. It's yours. It's yours. Just go claim it. He even said he'd fight their battles for them. Just go and claim it. All they had to do was believe that he would do what he said he would do. But what did they do? They said, we're going to go back to Egypt. Let's get us a leader who will lead us back. In other words, they were saying the chains and slavery in Egypt was better than the freedom they had in God. They wanted to depart. See, Canaan, promised land, was God's will. But they wanted to go back to Egypt. Come on, y'all, wake up. They wanted to go back to so they wanted to depart from the living God. They wanted to depart from God's plan for their life. They wanted to depart from God's purpose for your life. Now, isn't that sometimes what comes across our minds? He said, there's a warning here. Be careful. Be careful. I know you're having a hard time. I know the will of God is scary sometimes. Man, the thought of preaching and getting in front of people just terrified me. That dealing with the will of God and, and, and serving God, and sometimes it's very hard and it's very difficult. And there is a possibility of rebellion. There's potential. He said, take heed. Be careful, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. It's amazing how, 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 how high a level of sin that God calls simple unbelief. He calls it evil. Just not believe in God. You say, well, I believe God saved me. Do you believe God's going to provide for you? You believe God's going to supply your need? You believe God's going, hello? We believe God to save us, but we just don't believe him for everything else. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved by faith, but he said also the just shall live by faith. Are y'all with me? Now watch. So we see a past review, verses 7 through 11. Then we see a potential rebellion. It's, it's, we have potential to walk away and, 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 and not believe God. Then verses, verses 13. But exhort one another. Uh-oh. But exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There is a powerful responsibility. That is a powerful responsibility. What is he saying? He's telling us, he's telling us, guys, that we all will have potential to go back on the will of God. We all have potential to get weak. We all got potential to get discouraged. We all got potential to get down. We all got potential to get frustrated. We all have potential to be fearful and to worry and to, and to let things pile up on us. We all have that potential. So this is what he said. So what I need you to do is to gather on a regular basis and encourage the fire out of each other. You need to hold one another up. Everybody in here is not up at the same time. Everybody in here is not down at the same time. Sometimes some of us are up and sometimes some of us are down so that when those that are down, they need to hook up with those that are up and those that are up, they need to help those that are down and encourage one another. Say, pick your head up, baby. Everything's going to be okay. I know it looks rough right now, but let me tell you what God did for me when I was in your situation. Well, some of you older couples in here, you need to put your arms around some of these younger couples in here that are struggling and going through it, and you see the, the, the difficulty they're having and say, hey, I know it's hard, and I know it's tough. I know you don't think you're going to make it. I know you're ready to throw in the towel, but I, honey, we've been right where you are. Everything's going to be all right. This church, this church, when we, when we say this church, we, we, sometimes we mean, and we, we're thinking this building and this, this sheetrock and these chairs and all, but the church is you. 
And God gave you the church. God gave you to each other. He put you together. You didn't fall into this place by accident. You are here by divine appointment. And he says you need to encourage one another. Lest you be hardened. Lest you be hardened with the deceitfulness of sin. Preacher, what are you saying? We got issues. We got issues. This world will make you callous. This world will make you harden. Now, really, the word harden means stubborn, but it, it literally means unfeeling. If you look it up in your Strong's Concordance, that word means unfeeling. You have got to the place you don't feel anymore. Y'all with me? He says, be careful. Encourage one another. Lift each other up. That's why he said in the same book, later on, we're going to get to it, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. How did he say to encourage? How did he say to exhort one another? Come on. Daily. That's a powerful responsibility. But then look at verse number, look at verse number 14. <clears throat> he says, let me tell you this. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. That is a proof, say that with me, a proof this revealed. He said, if you want to know if you have the real deal, stick it out to the end. Sticking it out to the end doesn't give it to you. It just proves you had it. That's what he's saying. You're, you're, what, you, what comes out of your mouth is not, is not proof of your salvation. Do you cross the finish line? They're, they're, now, there's some denominations who try to tell you, well, they just lost it. No, they never had it. Because John said, John said if they was of us, they'd still be with us. That's what he said. And so what Hebrews is saying right here is the proof of authentic salvation is a stickum. You will finish what you start. Then verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear, now we're going to read verses 15 through 19 because they go together. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Remember what I say provocation meant? Irritation. Irritation, where they irritated God. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. And I looked up that word, provoke. It means to exasperate. Exasperate. They heard God's word. What did they hear? I'm going to give you all this. They heard God say, I'm going to lead you to a land of milk and honey. They heard God say, take it. They heard God say, I'm going to go before you as a hornet. They heard God's word and God's promise. It said here, the gospel. What's the gospel mean? How many of y'all believe it'd be good news to escape slavery and land in the land of milk and honey? Be given houses you didn't build. Be given vineyards you didn't plant. Be given wells you didn't dig. Have the blessings of the Almighty upon you and have the curses on those that curse you. That's good news. They heard that. But even though they heard that, what'd they do? They exasperated God. That's what it's saying. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that sinned whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And to whom... Swear he that they should not enter into his rest. To them that what? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. Now, here, here's where I want to go with this. Verses 7, verses 7 through 19, verses 7 through 19 set up all of chapter number four. So going into chapter number four, knowing this, that there, there is some types. How many of y'all know the Old Testament's full of types? God gave you this to show you this. 
He gives you this to be a picture of this. All right. Israel coming out of Egypt by the blood of a lamb, being rescued from the death angel, right? When I see the blood, I will. So that is a picture of salvation. They escape slavery. Whether you like it or not or know it or not, when you got saved, you came out of bondage. You were a slave to sin and to Satan, and God delivered you. But then we come through the wilderness, and it's God's plan for you, God's purpose for you to enter into his rest. But they couldn't because of... Now, they're out of Egypt. They're out of Egypt. They've been delivered. They've been delivered by the blood of the Lamb. But God wants them into his rest and his protection and his provision and his blessings, his peace, his provision. But they couldn't go in because of... So they're out of Egypt, but not in God's rest. And they're just kind of wandering in the wilderness. Preacher, what are you saying? I know of children of God who are saved, born again, but they're restless as can be. They're struggling with fear. They're struggling with anxiety. They're struggling with with all kind of uh, things because they, they, they can believe God enough to save their soul from hell, but they can't believe God enough he's going to pay the electric bill. And they're restless. And we're not experiencing his rest. His rest. And I'm going to go into detail about it. It's so sweet. I'm so glad you came tonight. But God has a rest for you. God has a rest for you as, as, as his child. This is what he wants. He has this for you. But some of us are just wandering around. We're saved. We're still his children. And by the way, by the way, he didn't let them go back to Egypt. He just disciplined them in the wilderness. They didn't go back into bondage. They just couldn't experience the best that God had. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. Let's, let's, let's go through this. First of all, and by the way, I forgot to give you E. There was a provoked response. God kept putting up with them, putting up with them, putting up with them. And he just finally, he couldn't take no more. He said, that's it. You will not. And it's in his anger. He uses the word wrath. That means more than just being upset. Are y'all with me? He was provoked. And because of that, they died in the wilderness and they never, ever got to experience his rest. Now, with the teaching, with that understood, with that understood, let's go into chapter number four. Let us, what's that next word? Therefore. In other words, because of what we just read, because of what we just studied, because of the story of what happened to the nation of Israel, They got to the promised land and they doubted God. They would not go in because of unbelief. Now now watch this now. Watch this. Their unbelief caused them to disobey. Y'all with me? He says, go in. He said, no, we're not going in. So their unbelief caused their rebellion. It's one thing not to believe God's word. It's another thing to disobey his command. And unbelief will cause you to rebel. So he's saying here, he's saying because of that, because of what we just read, let us, us, therefore, fear. Let's be careful. Let's be careful. Let's be cautious. Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. His rest. What he planned for your life. What he wants for you. You can come out of Egypt. You can be delivered 
from sin. You can be saved and born again, but still miss his We got to be careful. We got to be careful. Watch. Lest any of you should seem to come short of it. You come out of Egypt. You, 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 you repented and you asked God to save you. And he did. He did, but you've come short of where God really wants you to be. Watch this. For unto us was the gospel preached. What does gospel mean? Come on, stay with me. Good news. For unto us was the good news preached as well as unto them. Who is them? The nation of Israel back in the wilderness. But the problem with them, the problem with them, it says the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with. In other words, they heard God promise to be with them. They heard God say, I'm giving you this land. They heard God say, I'm going to go before you, but they did not believe him. So it did not benefit them. You say, well, well, I heard his word. I know his word, but do you believe it? The word will work. When it's activated by faith, they heard the same word, but they didn't have any faith. For we which have what? Believe. Do enter into. Now, here's where it's going to get good. Okay? Now he starts talking about what that rest is that is referred to as my rest or God's rest. Okay. Y'all with me? Now watch what it, now now we're going to get an explanation here. It says, for we, which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although, although the works were finished, before the, or excuse me, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, this rest that he's referring to, God's rest, has been available since the beginning of time. And he explains. He said, let me explain. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day. He is God, spake, God said it. He spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Okay? Now, let's stop there just a minute and talk about this. What what, what chapter did I say that's coming from? Genesis chapter number 2. He's made everything. And so here's what I want you to write down. Because of what we read in chapter number 3, that's the introduction. This is the implication. This is what we can learn from that. First of all, there is a rest that's expected. Write that down. There is a rest that's expected. In other words, God expects you to have. God has planned for you to receive. That God has, man, this is good. He said, where'd it come from? The beginning of time. It started there. Watch this. Watch this. Let me read this to you. In Genesis chapter number two, when God was finished with his creation, this is what he said. And I'm paraphrasing right here. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not giving you verbatim King James. I'm just, I'm just wrapping it up in Alabama terms. Say amen. This is what God would say. It's, come on everybody, it's done. I've made a wonderful world for man and woman. I've given them every earthly thing that they need including each other, for a complete and satisfying life. You ought to underline that. For a complete and satisfying life. What will his rest look like? A complete and satisfying, fulfilling life. Now watch, now watch. I've given them everything they need, everything's set, everything's ready, it's all there. Even more importantly, 
They have perfect, unbroken fellowship with me. Watch this now. This is God talking. I can rest now and they can. Now, let me explain that. Let me explain that. What do you mean that Adam and Eve can rest with them? Well, watch. Adam and Eve were completely righteous when they were created. They walked and talked with God as regularly and as naturally as they walked and talked with each other. They were at in its original and its fullest sense. They relied on God for everything. They had no anxieties, no worries, no pains, no frustrations, no heartaches. They rested in They had no wants. They, 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 had, they had no frustrations. They had no worries. They were in complete fellowship and complete reliance on God. They didn't worry about their food. God will handle that. They didn't worry about water. God will handle that. They didn't worry about joy. God will handle that. They didn't worry about happiness and excitement and blessing and satisfaction and fulfillment. God's going to provide everything. And they rested in God. They rested in his provision. They rested in his presence. They walked and talked and fellowship with him. That is his rest. And this is what I want to tell you. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to totally, completely believe him and rely on him and trust him. He says, this rest, it was done. At that point, when he said, it's finished, it's done, and he rested. This was the rest that was available for humanity. Are y'all with me? You got to get that part. You got to get that part because the rest ain't going to make any sense unless you get that part. It's, It's there. God has everything set for us. Everything set for us to enjoy that rest. Now watch. Now watch. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is going to be good right here. That is the expected rest that God had in mind for humanity. And still has in mind, by the way. Then B. What was A? Say A with me. The rest that's expected. Then we see the rest explained. We see rest, true rest, his rest explained. Okay? In verse 4, he said, God did rest the seventh day from all his works. So there's a rest right there. We done explained that rest and what it meant. Okay? There's, there is that original, I, 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 I kind of, was playing around with words in my office earlier. So, so there's an, an original, original rest. That, that was the original rest, right? In the, in the very beginning, in, in creation. That was the original rest. Uh, uh, I forgot what the second one was. But then the last one is the optimum rest, which I'll get to that one here in just a second. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it in just a minute. Hang on. Verse 5, verse 5. And in this place again... All right? In Genesis 2, it talks about God resting. And that is his rest. His, so so keep, in, keep in your mind, there is this, there is this, this place with God that, that, that man could be where there's total reliance on him and, and total fellowship with him and total experiencing his presence and his fellowship where you're not worrying about anything. You're completely relying on You can rest. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. But now, in the next verse, it says this, verse 5. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. That's Psalms 95. And that is David. David is referencing what happened with the children of Israel. Now, keep in mind, 
This is a long time after the children of Israel done been in promised land because David is a king in Israel. Are y'all with me? And he's talking about rest again. It says, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth. It remaineth. All right, so if we had a timeline, <clears throat> we had a timeline, here's the beginning of time, right? God says there's a rest available to you. Adam and Eve, you can rest in my promises. Yep. Here's your garden. Here's you, here's you just serenity. Here's you paradise. Here you go. You can rest in me. There's a rest available. Y'all with me? Yep. Then let's move the timeline in a little bit. And we have, we have the nation of Israel. God says, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm going to bring you out of bondage. I'm going to deliver you with a strong arm. I'm going to bring you like an eagle on an eagle's wing. And I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey. These are all his word, right? His word, his promises. He's giving them these promises. I'm going to take you to a land that's full of milk and honey. I'm going to drive them out before you. I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to give you houses you, you didn't build. I'm going to do all this for you. And they said, nah. After everything they saw, after miracle, after miracle, after miracle, after miracle, and this is what God said, you're not going to go into my you're not going to be able to experience what I had planned for you. But let's move the timeline just a little bit. 40 years go by. 40 years go by. All them die. 20 years and older died. The only ones left are those that were those 19 years and older or younger, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua takes them in. Now they didn't they didn't do what God said. They didn't fully surrender, submit to God's will because God said to exterminate them. They were so unbelievably wicked. Many people wonder why God would command the extermination of a group of people. And, and if you go and study how wicked they were, God gave them 400 years to repent and turn from their wickedness. These were people who would put live babies in jars and put them in walls of houses that they would build. I mean, the, 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 the wickedness was so extreme, it was beyond comprehension. And God said, I want them destroyed. But they didn't. Instead of being obedient completely to what God says, they just mixed in with them. So guess what they didn't experience? His rest. Now let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. Now we have David. David is instructing the children of Israel. They're in the promised land. They're in Israel. They're in Jerusalem. He's probably in his palace and he's writing this stuff and he's encouraging God's people. And he's saying, don't act like them. Don't, don't be in unbelief. Don't miss his It's available. Don't miss it. See, let me, let me show you. Let me show you. Look at verse number six. Seeing therefore it remaineth. In other words, this original rest that God had intended for humanity, it remaineth. David is saying here, it is still available. Are y'all with me? Now watch, now watch. Then it says this, then it says this. Seeing therefore it remaineth, that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. All right, David's saying they missed out. They missed out on what was available to them because of unbelief. So we would call that a lack of faith. faith. Again, verse 17. Again, it's written again. He limiteth or appointed, that's what that word means. He appointed a certain day saying in David. Now, he is God speaking through David. Y'all see that? He's saying in David or speaking through David. Today, after so long a time, 
In other words, I know it's been a long time since God promised them rest. It's been a long time since they missed out on the original rest that God had for them. He said, but I'm telling you now, don't be stubborn. Don't drift. Don't go away from God. Don't fall back because it's still available. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Listen. For if, verse 8, let's use the word Joshua because that's who he's referencing. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? In other words, if Joshua would have been able to give them the rest that God intended for them to have, what in the world is David talking about here? Y'all with me? If they had gotten the rest that God expected them to have and experienced the life that God expected them to have, David wouldn't be warning them over here not to miss out on what God wants them to have. Does that make sense? All right. Now, now, watch this. Therefore, there remaineth therefore a to the people of God. Now, the writer of Hebrews is addressing the people he's writing to. So let me put it this way. God said, I'm finished. I'm resting. And Adam and Eve could rest in him. They had everything. There was a total reliance, a total a total belief, a total assurance, a total trust in God that God was going to take care of every need they have. They were able to rest. And then what happened? The devil showed up. And convinced, convinced Eve and Adam that God couldn't be trusted. He said, I, I don't know. I'm not going to go in that deal because I don't have enough time. But that's what happened. They fell into unbelief. And since that point, man has been restless ever since. God had a plan for the nation of Israel. He said, man, I've got a rest for you. I've got a rest. It's it's my rest. It's available to you. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to fight your battles for you. I'm I'm going to go before you as a hornet. I'm going to drive them out. I'm going to give you everything you need. And not only am I going to do that for you, I'm going to bless them that bless you, and I'm going to curse them that curse. I'm just going to do everything. And you know what the devil convinced them? That God wouldn't keep his word. And so we move on down the timeline. And David himself is trying to convince the people, don't be like your forefathers. Don't harden your heart. God is a man of his word. God will do what he says he will do. And now the writer of Hebrews, we've moved on down the timeline. The writer of Hebrews is trying to tell these people who are discouraged, who are frustrated, who are afraid, who are upset, who are ready to quit. In a sense, they're like the the nation of Israel who are ready to go back to Egypt. They're ready to go back to Judaism. They're ready to go back to what they used to have because life was easier then. And he's saying... There remaineth a rest. The very rest that was available to Adam and Eve is still available. It's still available. And guess what? I'm not allowed to leave this square because I'd be further down the timeline. 
But let's look at the end of the timeline to 2023. And I'm here to tell you, it's still available. It is still available. That's what he's saying. There is a rest for who? Not for everybody. For the the people of God. Can you imagine how frustrated God is with us wandering in the wilderness of unbelief and doubt? Unbelief and doubt. I'm saved. I'm out of Egypt. But God is saying, I've got so much more for you over here. If you will just believe me. If you'll just believe me. Look here. The rest explained. First of all, let, 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 me, let me keep reading. We got to hurry. Boy, we're going to run out of time. Come on. Y'all listen fast. <clears throat> There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And this is, this is where it gets really good. Verse 10. For he, this is in reference to Jesus. All right? So let's, let's just put Jesus on, on the he there. For Jesus is entered into his, he also has ceased from his own. Now where are we getting that from? On the cross, before he gave up the ghost, he said, it is finished. In the very beginning of creation, God finished everything and said, it's done. And it's good. And he, Jesus came and he fulfilled and he completed. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a, so he done a new creation and said, it is, and guess what he's doing right now? He's seated. He's seated. You say, what is the big deal about that? You, do you know there was no seats in the tabernacle or the temple? Because the priest's work was never finished. So they could never rest. But Jesus was the final lamb, the final sacrifice. He said, it is. And now he is. Just like God the Father rested on the seventh day. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father because it is. So here's two things I want you to see. First of all, there is a salvation rest. You see the Sabbath, the rest that God did on the seventh day represents salvation rest. There's two, there's two rests here that's explained. The rest of creation and then the rest going into the promised land. Y'all see that? Amen. There's, two, there's two rests that's given. There's two rests that's explained in these verses. First, he says, my rest, that was the promised land. He said, his rest after creation, after the seven days. Are y'all with me? Yeah. The creation rest, the seventh day, represents salvation. In other words, there is a certain rest that comes to humanity when they get saved. Now, what happens there? What happens there? In that rest, we experience the rest of salvation. We experience peace with God. We experience peace with God. You say, where do you get that? The Bible says... Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, that's salvation, we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if, how many of y'all can remember back before you were saved how restless you were? 
You tried, to, you tried to cure it with alcohol. You tried to cure it with drugs. You tried to cure it with immorality. You tried to do everything in the world to find rest, yep. to find peace. Yep. But you were in turmoil on the inside. Yep. You did everything in the world to try to find some rest. And then you come to Christ. Hey. What does it say there, Matthew? What does it say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you. All right, that verse is salvation. When we come to Christ in faith, we get saved. Are y'all with me? So, so come unto me, all you that labor. That's salvation. That we experience when we come to God, the peace with God. I'm no longer an enemy to God. I'm no longer in, a, in enmity with God. I'm no longer at odds with God. Now I am, I am at peace with God. Amen. So there is a sense of rest. There is a sense of peace that I'm able to experience simply by salvation. You say, well, isn't that good enough? No. You're just coming out of Egypt. But God wants you in the promised land. He brought you out of slavery, but he wants you into his what rest? That beginning of time rest. That fellowship that Adam and Eve had with him. That trust and that assurance and that confidence that Adam and Eve had with him in the garden. That's his rest. So, preacher, how do we get that? Well, that's the second thing. You see, that first rest that is explained, the, the rest of creation, where at the seventh day God rested, that's salvation. But then we see the, the rest of the promised land. You see, in order to get into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is a type of death. It's a type of death. It's the nastiest river. It starts as crystal clear as you can imagine. It's amazing. It's amazing. When you're, when you're up there in, in, in Caesarea Philippi and you see that water come out, it's so clear, it's crystal clear, colder than a mother-in-law's kiss. I'm talking about cold, clear as crystal. Now, I see several people that's been with me to Israel. Am I telling the truth? Crystal clear. But you get down there where we're baptizing, you can't see this far in under the water. It is so nasty. It is so dirty. It represents death. You see, the Jordan River flows all the way through Israel, picking up all the pollutants and everything and dumps into the the salt dead sea. And the dead sea purifies it all. Evaporates and starts over. Isn't it amazing that Israel is a mini world? Anyway, that's a whole other story. But you see, to cross into his rest, you got to go across the Jordan River. And it represents what I say? You see, you trust Christ. You believe in him, Travis. But there comes a place that you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. You see that, that crossing of the, the Jordan going into his rest. The only way his rest is going to be experienced is if we die to self. Surrender. You see... Salvation, salvation rest, we have peace with God. There is the rest of salvation. But then I want you to see number two, the rest of surrender. The rest of surrender. That's where we experience the peace of God. You see, salvation is come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you but you see, then he says this, take my yoke upon you. 
Learn of me. That's surrender. That's submission. That's when that ox, that, that ox that don't know nothing, that ox is new, that ox is, it, it, it's just inexperienced. They yoke them up with an experienced ox that knows it all and can lead the way. But you got to surrender to put your neck in that yoke. Hello. There's more preaching there than I got time to do tonight. The rest of surrender. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful of me, don't worry. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the, come on everybody, and the, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The word keep there is the word that means to garrison. In other words, there'll be, there'll be a, a garrison of soldiers would come and stand and guard. And God says, if you'll trust me, if you'll rely on me, if you'll ask of me, listen, I will stand guard, I will garrison your mind, yes. and you will have not just peace with me or with God, you'll have the peace You know what the Bible says about the peace of God? It passes. You just can't explain it. Now let me explain this a minute. Don't even worry about that third point or that next page. We'll do that next week because basically what that is, how do we do that? How do we experience and stay in his rest? He tells us. I've never put it all together. Till, till today, but man, it's good. But let me, let me tell you something. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. This is important. You can't miss this part. There was a certain level of peace that I experienced when I accepted Christ as my Savior. There was a certain amount of turmoil. There was a certain amount of anxiety. There was a certain amount of fear that went away. And I lived my life minding my own business. Having a big time, thanking God I was going to heaven. And God began to call. Now that you're saved, I've got something for you to do. Now, I was out of Egypt, but I sure wasn't surrendered. And y'all have heard me tell this. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but you've heard me tell my story. You remember when, when that missionary pointed at me and said, I want him to be a missionary, scared me to death. I said, no, uh I didn't want to do that. Man, I just want to go to heaven. All this preaching stuff and missionary stuff and surrender stuff. I surrendered to preach. Felt like God would leave me alone. Then I would take little steps thinking that's going to make him leave me alone. Well, I'll go to Bible college. Maybe he'll ease up. You know what I was in all reality? Restless. I was saved. But I was doing this, Travis. In the wilderness. Because I wasn't fully surrendered. I was saved as you can get. I've heard people say, well, you can't be, you can't be saved without being fully surrendered. Baloney. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go down to dad's. Maybe he won't find me down there. <laughs> Running. Running from what I thought God wanted for me. I'll go back to Bible college and finish that fourth year. I'll take the little church there and 
South Carolina, Long Ridge Baptist Church, running, restless. No peace. I, I saved. I wasn't afraid of going to hell, but I sure wasn't happy. Never could feel at home. Never could feel rest. Until the day I said, God, I'm tired of running. If Zimbabwe is what you want, Zimbabwe is what you get. I don't care where it, I don't care where you want me, Lord. I'm tired of not experiencing Two weeks later, Jeff Robertson called me about Coleman, Alabama. That is the God's truth. Preacher, what are you saying? Some of you in here, you're born again. But you sure hadn't crossed the Jordan. You're worried to death. You're living in unbelief. You're thinking God can't. Let me tell you something. Where the will of God takes you, the grace of God will keep you. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about how to get over that Jordan next week. How about it? There are three things that's listed in the rest of that chapter. Three helpers, if you will. Three things that God will help you to come to the place of belief in your life and faith in your life where you can finally rest. And all God's people see it.